Hi, this is Jim Martin, and this is my encouragement note number 65. Hard work? Yes, but don't forget this essential. Sometimes you may wonder if your effort really matters, and I've certainly wondered this at times. I served as a minister for almost four decades before moving to Memphis almost nine years ago to work with Harding School of Theology. The previous 20 years were spent serving a congregation in Waco, Texas. Throughout these years, I always had a list, and usually I had multiple lists. I had a list of people to see, of tasks to be done, and people to call. Yet sometimes, even my best efforts felt small and inadequate. I worked hard as a minister. Sometimes I could see results. And sometimes I could not. And yet I learned I was also called to wait. Far too often I was ready to work, but showed less enthusiasm about waiting for the Lord. After all, sometimes the fruit of this labor, as a parent, as a faithful Christian in business, or as a minister, may not be apparent for years or even in your lifetime. Parenting requires a lot of waiting. Ministry requires a lot of waiting. And serving the Lord requires a lot of waiting. So we labor and wait. Author Austin Cleon wrote the following recently. Labor and wait, I thought, sounds like the writing process. You write something, then you put it in a drawer and wait until tomorrow to pull it out and to see if it's any good. You put together a book proposal, then you send it out and wait to see if anybody buys it. You finish a draft of your manuscript, <clears throat> then you email it to your editor and wait to see what they think. You publish a book and you wait to see if anybody reads it. Well, this also sounds like the life of a believer who desires to be faithful in making a kingdom difference. We labor and wait. Are you a parent? You labor and wait. You love, give, serve, encourage, correct, guide, and then you wait. You may see the fruit of your labor. You may not. Are you a Christian woman or man in business? You labor and wait. You seek to be salt, leaven, and light in your business and to make a real kingdom difference. And you may see the fruit of your labor. You may not. Are you a minister? You labor and wait. You do your best to serve the church. You may see the fruit of your labor. You may not. We labor. That is, we love, serve, and obey. We may see results in our lifetime, or we may not. Remember Hebrews 11? These people lived by faith. They labored, and then they waited. So many of them died not seeing the promises come to pass in their lifetime, chapter 11, verse 13. And yet we wait today with hope, because God is faithful. 
So as a, as a man, a father, and a minister, I can reflect on my life and ask, did I do any good? And yet this is not the question. A better question for any of us is, am I willing to labor and wait? Cleon refers to the words of Henry Longfellow from the close of A Psalm of Life, written after the death of his wife. Let us then be up and doing, with a heart for any fate, still achieving, still pursuing. Learn to labor and wait. Next, this can help you make even better decisions. We were in a meeting and I spoke, and what I said was mostly negative, and later I regretted being so negative. The facilitator had been doing a good job moving the conversation along, but I had allowed my inward frustrations to bubble up and come out with some very negative statements. I had wasted an important moment to make a positive difference. Author Austin Cleon said that one of the most important questions we can ask regarding almost any decision is, will this enlarge me or diminish me? Have you ever handled a situation poorly and then realized that your behavior was really beneath you? There are behaviors and actions that have a way of diminishing us. They do nothing to form and shape us into a godly people. For example, there are two attitudes I can express that sometimes leaves me feeling diminished and uninspired. Complaining. Some tend to focus on the inadequacies and shortcomings of whatever situation is in front of them. And as, the res as a result, they complain, complain, and complain some more. You may find, and next is, is negativity. You may find yourself focusing on the negative. Well, that won't work. I don't like that. We can't do that. You and I may focus on what is lacking or what doesn't measure up. For example, perhaps you visit friends who have just purchased a home. You come away focusing on the inadequacy and the shortcomings of your own house. When I complain a lot or am primarily focused on the negative, I often feel disappointed in my behavior. I'm not thinking aspirational thoughts. I'm not thinking about the impact of my words or actions. Instead, I focus on what is wrong, and yet our minds and hearts and thinking can be enlarged by the way we think or speak. We may even find that we experience a fresh energy. Some examples? You saw a clerk speak to a, uh, I'm sorry, you saw a customer speak to a clerk rudely, leaving her in tears. You spoke kindly to the clerk, acknowledging the customer's poor behavior. You felt good that you had validated the way the woman felt and lifted her spirits. Or you tried to encourage a little boy, the child of a single mom, who was playing in his first baseball game. He seemed to listen to every word you said. Or you read a book which captured your heart and mind. You were sad to see it in. You felt enriched after having read it. 
And finally, you took a trip to another country. You saw how other people lived, what they ate, and how they lived. The experience was enriching. Bottom line, what does my presence bring to another? Would that person say that I basically complain and gripe a lot? Or would that person say that he or she is encouraged or enriched by my presence? Next, when you long to go home. Sometimes I long to be a boy again. I grew up in one house in southeast Dallas and lived there through my childhood. We lived on Alhambra Street in a red brick house just down the street from the KSKY radio station tower. <clears throat> my memories of that house and that neighborhood are still very clear and important to me. Yet today I can't find that home or even attempt to recreate it. So much has changed. The setting, the neighborhood. Those days were a bit simpler. Pre-internet, pre-cell phone, pre-computer. Things seemed safer and more secure. Yeah, this was another time. I can't go home again. My father and mother are both deceased. My brother is not a little boy, but a man living near DFW Airport. My sister is no little girl, but a mother and grandmother with her own life. And the home I remember is one I cannot find again, at least right now. However, it is true. Many of us yearn or long for home. And yet I will go home. I'm one heartbeat away from going home to live in the presence of God forever. You and I may talk about this home, what it is like, but for now, just know that being at home with God is the place where everything is just right. In the meantime, you and I may experience difficulty, struggle, and pain, but this is not my destiny. I don't have to be preoccupied with what I want to buy, experience, or do. I don't have to create the ultimate life. Knowing that I'm going home gives me perspective. Maybe this is what I need today. What about you? And finally, what I wish more church members knew about their minister, and this is especially for ministers and other church leaders. <clears throat> I was thinking recently about some of the wonderful ministers I know. These people, for a variety of reasons, often descri describe their ministries over the last two and a half years since the beginning of COVID, March 2020, as very hard or exhausting. The following are the thoughts of one minister, me. Perhaps you will resonate with at least a few of these. First, I wish more church members knew the difficulty of their minister's work. Now, of course, I'm not suggesting that ministers are the only people who work hard. Of course not. Yet most of the ministers I know do work very hard. When I was a young minister, I remember hearing the old line about preachers working one hour a week. It seemed like each person who told me this tired old line thought it was still funny. I realized at some point that some of these people really had no idea what I was doing all week. Next, I wish more church members knew the cost of their hurtful and frustrating remarks. 
Yes, a minister ought to have a tender heart and thick skin. I know that. At the same time, this does not give church members permission to be rude or passive-aggressive in what they say. We were seconds away from beginning our morning service. I was standing at the front of our auditorium about to welcome the church when a lady in the third pew said aloud to me, I am so angry with you. Well, I wasn't expecting this. I paused for a few moments to collect my wits. Her comment spoken at that moment felt like someone had let the air out of my spirit for the morning. Next, I wish more church members knew how difficult it is to preach week after week. Someone asked me a few years ago, Jim, how do you come up with new and fresh material each week? Well, whatever he saw in my preaching reflected many hours of prayer, paying attention to the congregation and culture, reading, and intentional personal growth. It takes a lot of work to preach week after week. And most preachers I know do not quickly put together a message for Sunday. To preach for any length of time takes far more work than some might realize. Well, finally, I wish more church members knew that their minister probably needs encouragement. In many congregations, there are people who are generally very encouraging to their preacher. And yet many of us, including some elders, may underestimate just how important this is. Sometimes preachers can become overwhelmed by the number of troubled people, those in crisis, and others with chronic issues who make up a congregation. On top of this are funerals and weddings. Add to this those few in the congregation who are the regular critics. Author Steve Cuss refers to them as the usual suspects. Yet in far too many congregations, the people who love their preacher and appreciate his ministry remain silent. They don't criticize, they don't praise, they say absolutely nothing. If you appreciate the person who is preaching to your church each week, encouragement in some form can mean so much. Again, these people often need more encouragement than we may realize. Well, there are more to these particular encouragement notes, including uh, some resources that might interest you. Thank you so much for uh, listening, and I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear uh, about something in particular that might have meant a great deal to you. Uh, you can write me at uh, jmartin9669 at gmail.com. Thanks.